I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can take a seat again. Thanks, Sarah. All right. We did it. Thank you guys for that. We are currently, if you're new, um, uh, we use this term at weird, in a weird way, sermon series, but we believe the best series to do is to go through books in the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And um, it's a little different because we're studying the gospel, specifically the person of Jesus. And we've been doing it since the beginning of the year. We have today, and then we have next week, and then we are done with the person of Jesus. We will then have Easter, and then after Easter, we will have a Sunday on uh, uh, anxiety and depression. Tyler Johnson will be here. Uh, we're going to give some... some uh, good moving steps moving forward for that. And then we will start the book of Jonah. We'll be in Jonah for four weeks, and then we'll be in Philippians and Exodus for the rest of the year. We'll start with Philippians and we'll go through Exodus. So that's kind of our plan for the, uh, the preaching calendar for 2019. Um, I, I do want to say before I pray, uh, we're in a passage we've talked about before, but just so you're aware um, in what we're trying to do, we're trying to unpack and look at who Jesus is. And as we do that, last week I said, we're going to start with this um, what? What is behind the motive of Jesus? And we talked about the, the what being that um, to bring life, Jesus is, he gives the example of the seed, death. He chooses death to bring life. And today we're going to talk about why. What's the why behind his love? And then next week we're going to talk about how, and that's how we'll finish uh, the, the series out. So let me pray for us and we're going to jump into John 10. Uh, Jesus, thanks so much for who you are. Um, yeah, thank you that uh, even as silly as maybe a survey may feel, just for us to know each other and then eventually even get to share it as a congregation to recognize what kind of body we belong to um, is healthy. And so thanks for that opportunity. Um, I pray that as we continue to dive into your word, uh, John chapter 10, that you'd be with us. We recognize it's what we're going to be reading here and studying here is what gives us faith according to Romans ten fourteen, And so we need faith. A lot of us have doubts, and we have questions, and we need faith. So we pray that your word would give it to us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, all right, John chapter 10. So let me give you the context, uh, both before and after, so we know where we are. We're talking about sheep here and the shepherd, and there's a lot of things that need to be nuanced throughout all of this. If you were with us probably about a month and a half ago, we actually were in the chapter that is right before this chapter, which was John 9. It's the story of the blind man. Story of the blind man, Jesus heals this blind man. Uh, the, the Pharisees and a lot of other people for that matter don't believe that this dude was healed, don't even know who he is. The Pharisees continue not to believe, investigate, interview his parents, interview him again. It's this mess. Now, this is what's important. We have no reason to believe that John 9 and John 10, just because there's chapter headings, we have no reason to believe that these are separate accounts, meaning uh, who Jesus is interacting with in John 9 are the same people that he's interacting with in John 10. Like just as you kind of read it, doing a, a study there, just go from now at the end of 9 into 10. He's still talking to those Pharisees, his disciples. Maybe even the blind man is still in the crowd. His parents possibly. That's who's there. These Jews, these ethnic Jews there are surrounding Jesus as he begins to unpack this parable. So that's before what, what, what we have, okay? Right after this, you saw on the screen it said uh, to 18 and Sarah only read to 16. That's, I asked her to read only 16. 
excuse me, we're going to only study to 16, but right after 17 and 18 are these words, which are are pretty interesting. So what we're going to study causes this, um, this reaction. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind man? Right? So here's of the blind. So like, yeah, right after this, there's this division. So whatever Jesus is about to say, he's directly talking to these Jews, these Pharisees. And so we've got to unearth what that means. Okay? So let's do it. We're going to actually start in verse 1 of chapter 10. And we're going to go all the way through 16. We're going to spend most of our time in verses 14 or 15. Starts with this. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Let's stop there real quick. So uh, I talked about this at the end of our five solas. Here's uh, some context because a lot of us don't know what the life of a shepherd looks like. So you're out in this pasture. You've got, let's say, 100, 200 sheep, and you've got all these sheep. Well, you can't live out there 24-7. Eventually, you're going to need to find some water and food, and you might carry some. That might last for a little while, but eventually what would happen is shepherds would come into a local town, and they would go into the town so they can bathe and eat and all that. Well, they're not going to bring their sheep into their hotel room with them, right? And so at the outskirts of the town are what these these communal pens so they get to the outskirts of the town and i'm able to drop off my hundred sheep as i drop them off there's probably 700 sheep and there is this gatekeeper there that's watching over all of these sheep okay so that's some kind of context what you can hear as we begin to unpack this is jesus is going to give this parable and i want you to listen there's uh, five different types of people there's a gatekeeper there's a sheep there's the sheep there's a shepherd a stranger or a thief and then there's this hired hand That's who he's going to talk about in uh, unpacking this this parable. So verse 3 says this, To him the gatekeeper opens, on the heels of verse 2, the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The shepherd hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice, a stranger they will not know, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Okay, because I'm a good dad, uh, sometimes when we're out front, just kicking it with the whole family, Candace, let's say she goes inside and gets some water. I see it as a perfect opportunity to quickly distract my kids, point in one direction, run in the house and then lock the door. Okay. And so I go in and I lock the door and then they try to, they know until they're trying to pound at the door and they realize, oh yeah, the back door was unlocked. And so I could see their little heads going across the side window. And so I quickly sprint to the back door because I'm inside and they're running around the house and I lock the back door. And then they think, oh, our bedroom window was open and just, we have a lot of open things in our sea, waste a lot of electricity. And so here's, uh, the, the window's open. So they get there and I quickly shut it. And you know, it's 120 degrees out in August and I'm laughing in front of the fan and CPS is called. It's a mess. But, um, but here, here's, here's what happened. A, a lot of what's going on right now is I'm keeping them out of the house and it's a joking way, obviously, but I'm keeping them out of the house. This is what this communal shepherd taker, this sheep taker carer of, this is what he was doing. He's taking care of all these sheep. And just like my house, uh, there's these thieves, which we'll get into in a second, but at least these strangers who are trying to jump in over the pen to try to take these sheep. They're trying to get in and his job is no, 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 keep them away. But eventually the shepherd who is of those specific sheep, he can walk up, he goes to this spot. And he calls his sheep, maybe even before he gets there, the sheep recognize who he is, and they start coming to him. 
Okay, so that's context. We have no idea why he's telling us this so far. That's just context. A lot of these people would understand uh, what's going on culturally with shepherds anyway. So verse 6 says this. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So everything I just explained, they're like, cool, but what are you talking about? And he says, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus isn't changing the parable here. He's elaborating, but still not explaining in this moment. What he means by the door is uh, because there's only one spot to enter and exit for the sheep, he would quite even in many instances, quite literally get down and he would, and we look at sheep. It's interesting. We can look at sheep and go, they kind of all look the same but not for somebody who lives with sheep 24 hours a day, right? So they're coming in like, oh, hi, Miguel, how are you? Come on, there you go. Oh, hey, Frank, it's good to see you, right? Okay, and he's examining, he is the door. This is continued hyperbole. He is the door for all these sheep, and he's examining if there was a wolf that attacked, if somebody tried to say, if something happened, if another sheep bit another sheep, he would know, even to the point that one of the commentaries said, could tell if the sheep weren't being fed because of weight loss, or someone stole wool. He would know his sheep, literally, by name. Okay. And so he's the door. He's the way that these sheep get in and out, but still hasn't explained what's going on. Okay. And this next part in verse 10, I want you to notice what, what Jesus is going to do. He's, he's going to begin to kind of explain what's going on, who these other people are, these thieves, these robbers, these strangers who are trying to take the sheep. As he's explaining this, he doesn't just explain what they do. He's going to start with their motives, like what they, what they plan to do in this with their motives. So listen to this these contrasting uh, motives that Jesus is going to paint against verses 14 and 15 when we get there. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So now Jesus paints this idea and he starts to show a little bit. Wait, now I can start to see what you're talking about. Him describing himself as the good shepherd. But let me give you just kind of an analogy so we can see these strangers or these hired hands, what this looks like. There's a point um, about, man, about seven years ago, Candace and I owned ducks. And it was terrible. Um, Okay, so we got these ducks and they were little babies at first, which of course my wife and all of my children love ducks little baby things, but you know, when they grow up, you know, who has to take care of them, right? Not them. Okay. Um, and so the, here's these ducks and eventually they're just in our yard, pooping everywhere. It's a mess. But I remember I'm mowing the, the, the lawn and because we've had them since the, since they were babies, um, they would follow me as I mowed the lawn. Right. Okay. So they're like waddling a little behind. It sounds cute, but I don't miss them. Okay. And so, so now, now I want you to imagine for a second, they're kind of seeing me as like this mama figure. This like, he's gonna, he's like over us. Now they're seeing me for maybe internal reasons or the way they're wired or whatever it is. But part of that is protection. They recognize that I would protect them. So if a dog jumped over from the other yard, let's talk about what would happen. Um, 
I would be a bad mama. I don't love where this analogy is going, but I would be a bad caretaker if in that moment I said, distract them so I can run, right? Or, or just threw the ducks at them or whatever. I didn't stand. But I would be a good taker. I think we would agree. A good caretaker if I stood in front of the ducks as they kind of stood behind me, which they probably naturally would have done, and, and I stand there and I shoo off the dog and whatever for ducks. Um, so, so hear me, here's, here's my point. What Jesus is saying in this moment is there are others, thieves, robbers, and strangers who want to shepherd you, but they don't care about you. They want to shepherd you, but they don't care about you. And Jesus in this moment makes the declaration, I am the good shepherd. And he doubles down in verse 14 and 15, where we're going to spend a good amount of our time. It says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is called a tentagrammaton. Um, it's one of seven in the gospel of John IMs from Jesus. It's, um, you know, John kind of parses these things out where he says, not just I am the shepherd here, but I am the resurrection later on in, uh, in the gospel of John. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There's these seven I am's that Jesus gives. Now, side note, I would claim that these are um, put in front of us to show us his deity, um, i.e. comparing himself and using the same language uh, that he does in John 8 when he talks about before Abraham was, I am. What he's doing in this moment is making the same declaration when Moses asks God, who should I say sent me? He says, I am. Jesus Jesus is doing this same idea. But as we read this, here's what I want you to see. I want you to notice the contrast in verse 14 and 15 from how Jesus feels about the sheep to how these other hands feel about the sheep. So look at this. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the sheep. You ready? And I lay down my life for the sheep. So listen, I know my own, my own know me. I'm willing to die. So let's pause real quick on this text. When last week we talked about Jesus to, to, what's he doing to bring us life, he has to die. Why does Jesus have to die? And here's why Jesus has to die. Because the wolf wants your soul. And so Jesus, being a good shepherd, in this moment, out of an abundance of love, I need you to imagine for a second what the hired hand, as he runs across the wolf, he flees, but not Jesus. Imagine the imagery for a second. Jesus stands, and as he stands here, here's the wolf. He stands between you and the wolf. And just like in Luke 22, Satan desires to sift you out as he talks to Peter. Jesus says to his sheep, you are safe. Now, I love this because this, the, the text here is oh, so good. Um, I want you to see this. When he says, I am the good shepherd, in Greek it reads, I am the shepherd, the good one. I am the shepherd, the good one. He's putting himself up against these other things. Now, this is where we need to pause um, because we've talked about before like communal, recognize we need to be part of believers. Uh, 95% of the yous in the New Testament are plural. We, we, we continue to talk about God's cosmic work on the cross, not just saving our souls, but uh, reconciling all things back to himself. That is true. Part of this uh, theology is Christus victor. It's Christ our victor. But that's not at a detriment to another fancy theological term that I need to plead with you for a second. It's called substitutionary atonement. 
Substitutionary atonement is the idea that the shepherd steps in front of the wolf so the wolf will attack the shepherd. As he goes to protect, he gives his life away for the sheep. And when he says, I am the shepherd, I am the good one, I am the good shepherd, that means there are other shepherds trying to, 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 to tell you something, trying to, to wheel you away. And some of his sheep jump out of the pen and follow the stranger. Some of his sheep try to listen to this robber, listen to this thief, and are taken away. And he says, that's mine. And so what happens, what we need to understand is there's two formats to this. These shepherds come in in two very different ways, and we've got to talk about them. The first is internally within the church. And then the second, that we have to be mindful of these other shepherds that Jesus is saying, you're trying to pull my sheep away, you're trying to, to, to not care about them, is external voices. The first one we need to talk about internal, I think we're acutely aware of. Let's just call it what it is, you guys. Most millennials, if you're a millennial in this room, you have a, just statistically, a very strong distrust with organizations, with companies, with businesses, um, with establishments. And probably higher on that uh, uh, spectrum for you is the church. Especially if you grew up in the church, you have a strong distrust towards the church. And so you are aware when culture says all they do is they just hate gay people, want your money, they only care about themselves. You're, you're most likely aware of this. I'm, I'm mindful of uh, Ezekiel 34, um, because within the church, if we're not careful, uh, we see this happening all too often. I was talking to someone between services. I think the difference is, as being the pastor, as an elder here at Redemption Peoria, the question we try to ask a lot is, Jesus, what are you doing with your sheep? Not, what do you want us to do? Like, like as I look to you and I go, hey, here's, you're, you're our sheep. No, no, no. We're Jesus' sheep, and let me prove it to you. Um, in Ezekiel 34, God is super upset with, let's just call them Old Testament pastors. People in the Old Testament who are shepherding the people of Israel. He's seeing how they're handling it. This is what's going on in the church, in the people, the family of God within Zion. This is what uh, God says in Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. This is not a literal shepherds of Israel. This is the figurative shepherds of Israel. The shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord, ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and and with force and harshness you have ruled over them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there is no shepherd, because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding of the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may uh, not be food for them. Now listen, I love this. Verse 11, and and we're done. It says this, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep 
and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock, he is among the sheep that they will be, not be scattered. So, so he, here's God's declaration. Um, he looks internally and goes, you're right. I mean, you're coming here with like crazy amounts of baggage. And you've been burned by the church. And that is terrible. Here's the good news, though. I'm not your shepherd. Jesus is your shepherd. And, and the reason that's good news is, as First Peter says, we are merely under shepherds. And you feel like God is not taking care of you and the church has burned you. And I'm telling you, God is just upset at those pastors, those false teachers, the people who have used you, the people who have done things for selfish gain. He's just as upset at, at them as you are. And so what he says is, you need to remember, I'm your shepherd. And this is, Jesus is picking up on this language. I'm your shepherd. I'm your shepherd. Now, um, like I said, I think I don't have to continue to, like, you know, we talked about Rachel Hollis or Joel Olstein or whoever it is. I think you're probably aware of a lot of the things that you should be distrustful towards a lot of the false teachers within the church. You know what the problem, though, is? The problem is, as hard as you've gone to build up walls against people within the church, you've gone just as far on the other side to listen to the voices in our culture. So you're super keenly aware of all the bad things within the church, but you're not even mindful of the fact that you're being shepherded by social media. You're being shepherded by the workplace. You're being shepherded wherever you hang out to go have fun. You're being shepherded by talk radio. You're being shepherded. You're being shepherded. You're being shepherded. And if we've learned anything in Ephesians, it's that there are rulers, authorities, and powers in these places that are guiding where they want your mind to go. And so here you are, You're keenly aware of internally what's going on, but you have not recognized, I have not recognized, we together have not recognized that there are robbers, there are thieves, there are strangers, there are false shepherds, there are philosophies, there are ideologies, there are political views. There's all these things on the table trying to shepherd you. And Jesus says, this is important, you know who won't be there when you you have that lost family member? You know who won't be there when you feel like you're just in depression and anxiety and you don't know where to go? You know won't, who won't be there when there's loss, when there's pain, when there's hurt? You won't know who won't be there when the wolf comes? Social media. It's not going to be as comforting as this. Rachel Hollis won't be there for you. The false teachers won't be there for you. Culture won't be there for you. But we give our lives away to it. We hear the voice. Now, check this out, though. This is what's crazy. As really tough as that is to hear, um, let's stay on the topic of substitutionary atonement. As terrible as that is, you're going to walk out of here and you're going to listen to a false voice. You're going to follow a dark path. You're going to look at what you know you shouldn't. You're going to say something you know you shouldn't. You're going to enter into a relationship you know you shouldn't. You will, in a word, fail. You're going to fail. Because you're not perfectly sanctified, you will fail. What is crazy about this though? Because Jesus steps in front of the wolf, even though you fail, the wolf does not get you. (laughs) So if we could, the wolf's full because he ate the shepherd. And so, so hear me, as crazy as this is, um, the moment you, I'm going to try to paint this as, uh, as the best I can. You're, you're sitting on your couch 
You're looking at that website you know you shouldn't look at. And in that moment, Jesus is going, that's one of my saints. In that moment. You don't believe me. Okay, let's talk about what Jesus as the shepherd did. Listen to this. Listen to uh, Hebrews 10.10. And by that we who have been sanctified through the offering of the blood of Jesus Christ once and for all. We're sanctified once and for all. Listen to Colossians 1.21. And you who once were alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you. Now listen, I, I try to use like passion and exuberance to like pass on what we've allowed to grow so hard-hearted within ourselves. So I need you to hear this. You in the moments of sin and pain, being hostile in mind, alienated from God, doing evil deeds, you don't change Colossians 1. Do you understand? As a sheep with the other voices, and you jump out of the pen and you fail, he still got you. He's leaving the 99, and he's getting you, and he's beckoning you back. If you are his sheep, you'll hear his voice, and you'll know, I shouldn't do this. This is honestly why, even though you're a, sin, even though you're a saint, this is why sin feels awkward for you now. Because you're not being who he's called you to be, which is what Colossians 1.21 goes on to say is, holy, above reproach, and blameless. That's who you are. That's what the shepherd has given you. You now, amidst your sin, are seen before the Father the way he sees Jesus. If that's not enough, listen to 2 Corinthians. We can go on and on and on about this. Uh, Romans is full of this stuff. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become. Now, a lot of you guys can easily finish this, but, but you can finish it almost like, yeah, it is what it is. Okay, I need you to think of the most holy thing you can possibly think of. And I'm hoping you're thinking of God, but let's just, uh, okay? The most holy thing you can think of. Now, if you weren't thinking of the righteousness of God, you were thinking of something wrong, okay? The righteousness of God, the most holy thing. Think of how righteous God is. That is how righteous you are. Because of Jesus' work and stepping in front of the wolf, you are safe, you're protected, you're righteous, you're above reproach, you're holy. This is good news. Nobody else offers that. Like maybe a temporary reprieve like philosophies, desires, maybe, maybe a moment of like, this is nice, but nobody offers that. Eternal security, nobody offers that. Jesus does. The good shepherd does. And he does it by laying down his life. Now for us to finish, I, I want to finish with uh, verse 16 because I, I think there's something worth saying in this. It says this, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Um, I think it's a little bit of historical irony, if you know the story of the Bible, um, from the jump of, of the people of Israel's story, God said, essentially, I'm going to make you awesome so that people will see that I'm awesome, right? And so he continues to give himself away to these people so that people would go, wow, your nation is so blessed. And they go, because God is, a, he's amazing. That's why, right? Now, the historical irony is, is here is Jesus standing in front of Jews, and the accusation to the Pharisees is not only are they not reflecting God, they're actually pushing people away. They're pushing people away. It was within the family of God that, that God's going, you're the false teachers. 
it, it, was, it, was, it was amongst these, the Zion, the people of Israel that goes, Pharisees, you're the one who are leading people away. They can only get in through me. So the first thing I want to acknowledge is I want to be careful for us that we're not the reason that people don't come to um, enjoy the good grace of Jesus Christ. I think that's a solid warning, but there's also an encouragement in this. Um, it is good news to know that this verse, I wholeheartedly believe, is talking about you. Like in this moment, yes, he's talking about exegetically ethnic Jews and the adding of Gentiles. But hear me, I think looking down the corridors of time, also recognizing you are part of this fold. But, but, it, but it grows beyond that in a little bit of beauty. Every single person who is introverted and a sheep and extroverted and a sheep. Like those who have a PhD and those who haven't graduated from high school, those who are black, those who are Hispanic, those who are Asian, those who are white, those who have different eyes shaped a different way, who talk a different way of a slang, who listen to, to do like certain kinds of music, who, 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 uh, who like to dance and who don't like to dance, right? Who like to sing real loud and who don't like to talk, who talk loud and who talk quiet. All these people, Jesus in this, like this is, the declaration from the book of Acts to the book of Revelation is of every tribe and of every tongue, I'm going to bring this melting pot of just a mess. And we're going to get together and the introverts and the extroverts and the smart and the dumb and whatever. I don't know. Maybe they won't be called dumb at that moment, but whatever you want to say, whoever it is, referring to myself, um, right? The skilled in this area, not skilled, we will come together and Jesus in this he is speaking into this narrative. He is saying, we're going to do this. What I love is he's doing it right now. John 10, verse 16, did not stop when Jesus said this. It did not stop on the cross. It did not stop in his resurrection. But right now, Jesus is looking at closed countries and going, ha! What is a closed country to Jesus Christ? As a matter of fact, give him the 1040 window. Tell, tell, tell me right now that there are works within Middle East countries that we can't fathom amongst Muslims. Tell China, what, 15 years ago, the gospel can come no more. Ask the, the, the Chinese church how much a closed country matters to Jesus. No, 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 he is still at work. He is still gathering sheep into his fold. He is still continuing to go to places that you don't understand. And to him, your family member is not far off. To him, your neighbor is not too far. To him, your friend is not too far. No, 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 he is still gathering sheep. He's still doing it. And he's asked us to partake. It's good news. We follow a good shepherd. I would be foolish as always not to finish with Spurgeon. So speaking of which, in the last month, I've had an angel painted an awesome painting of Charles Spurgeon. Super legit. And uh, the Cosbys gave me a Spurgeon bobblehead. You know what I'm saying? It's the real deal. Um, why was I telling? Oh, because we're going to read from Spurgeon. That's why I was telling you that. Listen to how he, uh, he talks about this. And this is where I want to finish. Just listen to it. It's not on the screen, so just hear it, even if you need to close your eyes. We have a beautiful picture before us. Can you visualize it for a moment? The Lord Jesus here among us, picture him. He is the shepherd. Then around him are his own people. And wherever he goes, they go. He leads them into green pastures and besides the still waters. And there is this particularity about them. He knows them. And he looks upon every one of them. And every one of them he knows. 
There is a deeply intimate and mutual knowledge between them. As surely as he knows them, they know him. The world knows neither the shepherd nor the sheep, but they know each other. Just as surely as true, just as surely as truly and as deeply as the God, the father knows the son. So the shepherd knows his sheep. And just as God, the son knows his father. So these sheep know their shepherd. I pray that's true of us. Let's pray. Lord, we start with a moment of repentance. Together, we um, would ask for forgiveness for listening to so many voices besides yours. A lot of them are just our own. We're seeking for wisdom and counsel in so many other places besides the Good Shepherd, in so many ways besides the Good Shepherd's ways. And what we have found, those of us who've lived long enough to see it, is those false shepherds, those thieves, those robbers, those strangers, they will fail us. But this is why you, Jesus, are the shepherd, the good shepherd. We follow you like, honestly, like those little ducks. We just, we follow you, we trust you, we believe you're going to protect us. We don't always know where you're leading us. We don't always know why but we trust you and we recognize you lay down your life for us. And so we gladly follow you to death. Lord, I pray uh, protection over Redemption Peoria. As I did in first service, I pray a hedge of protection against the voices um, within the church and outside of the church that are beckoning us to follow. Get close enough to the, the wall to grab us, to steal us, that would only bring death, would only bring destruction to our lives. I pray we would follow you. We would trust in the fact that the wolf wants our souls. But you have stood between us, and we are so grateful. Thank you for that. We love you. We praise you. We need you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.